The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome on to Dunked On. Danny is on vacation, a pre-planned trip. So our second special guest is going to be our director of basketball research, Ben Dull, to talk about today's games. Much to discuss in Milwaukee and Miami. But first, I think game six of OKC Houston. It was another evisceration of the Houston Rockets in the clutch by the Thunder. They've done that in all three of their wins. And as a result, despite Houston owning the point differential in the series, this is going to a seventh game. Yeah, I don't know. Where should we start with this one? I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the stuff in the clutch. Just, you know, I think Russell Westbrook's turnovers, like throughout the game even, you know, the big one at the end, but even in the first half, it was just hard to, to look past those. No, I agree with you there. Seven turnovers and just his overall feel and passing is really way off. And Russell Westbrook is not a what you would call a basketball natural. He is a natural athlete, but he has made himself into, with a lot of hard work, a basketball player who can make reads, who can set guys up to some degree. His jumper is uh, as wayward as ever. But with the rust that he's had, and you know he looked better early in the bubble before he suffered this quad issue, but even his passes that didn't get intercepted were way off target thrown at guys feet he's out of control he doesn't have uh, his legs underneath him as he's trying to make the pass so it sails out of bounds it was really just a, a very very ugly offensive performance from him and then his defense uh, also maybe could have used a little bit of improvement in this one i thought yeah you hit on hit on one of those full court sequences on twitter yeah and just the, the passing too just i mean i mean you said it but it was just it was it was strange to see it even given the stakes on on some of these just the the play at the end and there was one that really mirrored it in the first half just just no idea really where like where the guy was that he was throwing it to just way off target with those and i think that just really threw him out of whack because they needed you know they're clearly waiting for someone else other than harden to give them something eric gordon was two for six at the rim in this game they just didn't really have someone else to do something for them and i think that in a way they kind of look like they're waiting for that to just kind of that flipped that switch just go off and then it would just all be okay from there well and obviously there's a need to get Russell Westbrook back into the flow they're not going to beat the Lakers without him although you might want to actually get to that series first uh they he very much I'm sure wants to play well against his former team OKC and I'm sure it was killing him that he wasn't able to play but it really I think it has to go back to coaching where not giving the ball to Harden at the end of the game particularly with Dort out right I understand if Dort's on Harden he does a good job and you say okay Westbrook has the better matchup right but Dort's out of the game you know James Harden is been killing anybody else who isn't Lugan Stort in this whole series and I think Harden got one shot down the end which he missed which was a step back but it really was and I think he got one other attempt on that 
impossible shot when they had five on the shot clock and they're inbounding under the basket which you know doesn't really count and that that of course was after a terrible Westbrook shot a a jumper that missed by oh about five feet short so I think it really this is one where you have to blame the coaching and whether maybe you just feel like we can't not play Russell Westbrook at the end of a game against his old team but he's on a minutes limit house was better than him Gordon was better than him he was killing them defensively by not getting back and like losing guys as well Gallo got a couple of buckets on him because of that and he just he wasn't helping the team and he didn't help the team last game they overcame that with a massive blowout and great defense but he was pretty rough last game also and so I guess there's a feeling like oh you can't just not play him maybe they could have used the minutes limit as an excuse but then to also James Harden also has to take some leadership and say you know he's kind of more of a passive guy and he's got to just say no like you need to give me the ball Russ and he's he wants to like be a good teammate after things fell apart with Chris Paul and that's just a, a recipe for disaster because Russell Westbrook is who he is, right? Like, like this is proven, isn't it? Yeah, and and bringing up Harden there, like I think you've brought this up a lot in the past too. Like thinking to that final sequence where Westbrook goes and gets it, the the, the thing with Harden of just not, he saw it a couple times in full court situations today too, just not exactly being the hardest worker to go get the ball if he's denied a little bit. So that last sequence, just wanting to see him be the one to go length of the floor. And even if we, maybe we could get into Harden, Harden's performance in this game too. He did hit a step back over Schroeder in the fourth, right when Dort checked out of the game. But yeah, other than that in crunch time, not much there. He also had a turnover driving in and just threw it right to Chris Paul. I think it was the third quarter. I kind of felt like he had a pretty good stretch where they were yeah. in some more traditional pick and roll. But other than that, just not not a lot from him that really stood out in this game. Yeah, I mean, he did have 32 points on 22 shots, but he, he kind of faded a little bit late. The three ball, he was only three out of 11. Like he was getting to the rim and finishing. He's been doing a great job of that in this series. And we could talk a little bit more about his game in a second, but since we were on the subject of the end of the game, what did you think of the last play call where Paul hits two free throws? They're down to 10 seconds left. What did you think of what they decided to do there? The decision, not obviously the outcome was poor. Yeah, I, I'm i just of the mind. Like I just, Harden just has to go get the ball no matter what what is what I would want to see there. I understand Westbrook, the appeal of him screaming down the floor, especially when he needed to get it up quickly. But just the way he was playing, I just think the, I, I just think the call had to be hard and just go get it. And, and just, you know, at, at minimum, if he gets, they run a double at him, at least let him make the decision to throw it out to somebody. The other thing I would point to also is they had a timeout and they used one of them. They actually had two timeouts. They used one of them to challenge. I thought that was a good challenge on, on the Chris Paul. Yeah, it, it was in the end, it was a pretty clear foul, but might as well use it at that point. But they still had one more timeout. And so they could have advanced the ball. They could have run something better. I understand the theory of it of we're just going to give it to Westbrook. He's going to push it down full court and maybe he can set up a three. But Chris Paul did an awesome job of he was on Covington, but he kind of just snuck into the lane and made Westbrook pick up his dribble and throw a really awkward pass that went out of bounds. So it just... I, th- I like the theory of it if like everyone is going really well and Russell Westbrook is you know in rhythm but as bad as he'd played I, I find it difficult to go back to him at that point yeah and I, I, I yeah I forgot to say that I, I I generally like more just the idea of just when you can just go the length of the floor versus you just don't know you know your main option gets denied and then your play might kind of get blown up from midcourt so I, I usually lean towards just going the length of the floor um let's get back to Harden's game and don't don't worry OKC we'll get to the fact that Chris Paul was was unbelievable uh, again I thought he gave better defensive effort in both the last game and this game than I've really seen from him he had actually a couple of nice stops 
on Chris Paul in the fourth. He had that great hustle play to save it off of Gallinari after the Westbrook air ball in the last minute. He had a couple plays where he got back on defense and got stops. Um, now, anytime he actually really digs in, or if he does like a really hard drive too, you'll see him just have to take a couple of plays off afterwards. Like he'll be exhausted. He'll be walking. He won't go over half court in the offensive possession a lot of times. Um, so, you know, people always point to his load and supposedly, you know, Kelly Eco had this whole thing about, always oh, did all this like hill running in, uh, in Arizona. And then of course he showed up late at the bubble for some unknown reason, uh, which maybe it was COVID-19. We'll never know if it was, uh, but it, it was odd that he just didn't show up and Russell Westbrook didn't show up either, but he said that he did have it. So, you know, maybe that's a, an issue with the conditioning, um, but at least he was giving more effort on defense and maybe that left not enough for offense. Maybe he knew he was tired. That's why he deferred to Westbrook, whatever it is. So I laud his effort while at the same time noting that it's like, he finds himself exhausted afterwards um so and maybe he just couldn't he only played 39 minutes i mean that's not a crazy number for a closeout game after you just had a three-day break before the last game um so he, he played well but not well enough considering what some of the other deficiencies for the team were yeah and well maybe with houston's overall with the second half too like the fourth quarter they d'antoni had to go back to him with about 10 minutes left because they were what down seven at that point yeah. and then even the way they started the third quarter i marked that down because they they start 7-0 and then gallinari had this weird iso where he just like held the ball for like 10 seconds and he was like looking over at the bench it was just a really bizarre possession they turned it over again and then harden going down in transition got they dropped drew a foul and then he got called for a tech being upset that they didn't call it a shooting foul it looked like it was on the floor but then he got teed up and like that i don't know that maybe i'm i don't know if you saw it the same way if i kind of read too much into it but that kind of felt like a moment where they could have really piled on and then instead they they turned over two times shortly after that after the tech and then okc was right back in it yeah and another one was they're up nine late in the third and russell westbrook just loses gala for no reason and he hits a three and that's really started that okc run which ended up being like you know 16 to 1 or something like that as they surged back in front and they had to it might have been early fourth i can't remember it was late third or early first when they had that nine point lead but that, then they had to bring hard back in earlier than they wanted to um let's take a quick break here and then we can get into some of the other big themes from this one so Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. What else do we need to talk about in terms of some of the big things from this game? Maybe we go to Lou Dort here and, and how things went offensively for him. Yeah, he did hit a couple of threes in the third. That was big. They started off with, they put him in the starting lineup. And of course, they immediately, the ball was funneled to him by Houston. And it seemed like what they were trying to do was get him to drive and kick more. And he set up a couple of decent plays. Uh, he had a nice reverse finish at the rim but then he got the three quick fouls he only played six minutes in the first half and that enabled Harden to really get going in the first that was about the only offense that Houston had in the first half and then I thought he was solid enough in in the second but they elected not to play him down the end they went with Schroeder and that decision really paid off because the whole reason you had Dort out there was because Harden was killing them when they had anyone else on him but they Houston just for whatever reason didn't go that way and so uh Clearly, the decision to go with more offense uh, paid off for the Thunder. Yeah, well, and, and with Dort, I wonder I wonder if that run late third, early fourth even happens at all, if if not for him, because he drove it in for a layup and then hit two threes. So that was really, yeah. really a big a big part of what they... And then even kind of to, to Danny's thing of the two dribbles and a good decision, you know, af, after he started off with the layup and he did set up Gallinari for a three, but then turned it over, missed a three and had an offensive foul. Well, then in the fourth quarter, he had one of those more under control catch it in the corner one or two dribbles under control and then just threw it back to Darius Baisley which was another big shot in that stretch as Baisley just replaced him and then hit a three yeah Baisley was uh, uh only one out of two in this game but he had three assists he was making some nice plays uh, I thought he was out there during that big run uh Nerland's Noel had a couple of steals in that run as well when you know Westbrook was really out of control so yeah I mean Dort finished five of nine two of six from three 
he did have five turnovers which was ugly but like that's good enough uh and 20 minutes is really kind of better for him than 40 minutes I, I think uh if you can get away with playing those three small guards against Harden, they could do that in this game so um should we talk about the thunder offense versus the rockets defense at, at the end of the game and what chris paul was doing yeah let's get to it i mean it was chris paul with those two big threes over robert covington and then even after that really he's still looking for that matchup and then also getting by him and i'm sure those th- those two shots are in your head right and that kind of paul kind of parlayed that to to get by him a couple times yeah you know it's a couple of things that i, I mean number one chris paul has played much better at the end of games than i thought he would in this series and he looks very fast he's attacking fast off the dribble and the last couple of years he's been very reticent to even try and finish at the rim he'll kind of be out of control he'll flub a lot of layups well he knows that the rockers have the rockets have nobody who's going to get up in the air and block his shot once he releases it so he is really attacking the rim more than we've seen in the last couple of years really since probably his clippers days and he's getting good stuff there we saw that back in games three and four at the end of those games when he was going at harden harden did better against him this time and so he started seeking out covington and then the other thing is uh i, I do miss danny today uh just because I would love to hear his rant on the low resistance switches. Would, would you care to, to take his place for this one? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just, I mean, how much of that is just the product of when it just, the habit over time of switching so much. And then can you really just flip a switch in the playoffs to really be kind of more, I don't know, what's, what's the word for it, to be more choosy? Yeah. To just, you know, like, I don't know, is like, is that maybe just a real thing of just, you know, if, if you haven't, if you aren't doing it a lot, then it just, it's hard to kind of start doing that when you really need it. I do understand the concern because you're worried about miscommunication. That's what this system is about. The rules are we're just going to switch anytime when it even looks like someone is setting a screen. And so that's why they, they do it that way. But Eric Gordon can certainly get through a screen by Dennis Schroeder. This screen is being set 30 feet from the basket. You know, maybe you could just have try and get through the screen. And then if he can't do it, you just would then have Covington switch onto him. Like they're not even trying to get through the screen. And, you know, is Dennis Schroeder some like devastating role man? Did I miss where his synergy numbers are like, you know, uh, two points per possession uh, rolling down the lane for big dunks? Like it's he's not coming over there to set a screen to actually do anything that's just because they know they're going to switch and so particularly after Covington had gotten cooked three times in a row and Eric Gordon is by far their best defender I think maybe you just you know maybe a timeout is necessary to make that change but Chris Paul doesn't want to give the ball up and they're not going to like run a bunch of stuff where he slips it shooter slips it and gets downhill or something like that like they want to get the matchup they think it's predictable so maybe just like throw him a curveball and don't switch until maybe just force him to actually make contact on the screen how about that yeah because uh, I mean, eric you, gordon can shut down chris paul chris paul can't do anything against eric, eric gordon one-on-one yeah well you brought up i mean you brought up the coaching with the westbrook decision so yeah t- definitely at that point to either like you said call timeout and say something especially if you know if gordon isn't just kind of doing that on his own to just you know either say something during the play whatever it is to just say hey we're not going to do this to at least like to at least make them beat him with it once right in in some way with with a shooter rolling or you know whatever whatever it was like he was 0 for 5 from 3 in this game too credit the thunder though because they figured out and chris paul is really i think the guy running this so credit him that robert covington was the guy to attack and we talked about this before the series of 
not only is he maybe their worst ISO defender, but he also is their best help defender. I mean, he was unbelievable. He had five steals and three blocks in this game. And so you're attacking someone who you can get by and you're taking away their best help defender at the same time. So really only PJ Tucker is the only other guy who, you know, you really has a great help mentality on this team. So it really was a great decision. And, but for Covington, I do think he could be better in individual defense. Like he's trying to reach in on Chris Paul and get the steal. Like you're not going to do that against Chris Paul. And you're just giving him an opportunity to get a foul, which they did at the end of the game for the winning points where he's already beaten. There's no reason to reach in at that point, or he's trying to steal Chris Paul's crossover. Like Chris Paul is one of the greatest ball handlers in NBA history. Like you're not going to steal it from him. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't really care for a lot of what the Rockets were doing defensively at the end of the game. Um, yeah. Any and other I, kind I, of big things? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, just kind of on the subject. I don't know if we were going to save kind of stuffed for game seven for the end, but just yeah. that has to be the biggest thing for game seven, right? Is our, just to say, hey, we got to just like force Chris Paul to actually like get in the lane on some of these because one of the threes yeah. he hit on Covington stuck in my head because Covington was just totally laid off of him. And then even Paul started the fourth quarter for him with, with two two-point jumpers too, just going one-on-one. Yeah, now it was... I will say that Chris Paul was hard to guard in this game because he had usually the scouting report is do not let him go right. But he also has this counter move that he doesn't want to shoot. But when he's hitting it, it's more difficult where he'll kind of take a big step to his left and just get enough room for the jumper. And he hit a couple of those uh, on the plays you were talking about. So that did make it more difficult. But I think just forcing them to at least set a real screen, run some time off the clock. Uh, yeah, and then just force him to drive without fouling. Trust your help. Uh, and because he wants to run the clock down, so drive, you can help make him make a either a layup or over a contest or find someone, uh, because they have not had any answers for him by just guarding him one on one like that. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. If it does get close down the end, I mean, number one, if it gets close down the end, I'm crapping my pants as a Houston fan in game seven. Uh, and because of just what OKC's done in the clutch all all year and what they've done in this series, uh, but number two, yeah, the Rockets have got to play a lot better. Any other kind of big themes that, that stuck out to you on this one that you really wanted to hit on? I don't know if it qualifies as a big theme, but just Jeff Green wasn't very good at all in this game. And I mentioned like that third quarter stretch where Harden was getting going and pick and roll for a little bit, and they had a nice stretch where they were just getting really good shots in pretty rapid succession and the air kind of was out of their sails when they tried to go to like the Jeff Green inverted pick and roll and Green just like not looking to shoot the three a couple times so maybe you know maybe Jeff Green is just setting the table for another you know dramatic big game seven I don't know we'll see with that (laughs) yeah yeah going back to 2018 against uh against the Celtics so who played better in this game? I know the, the Thunder won it in the clutch. Who do you think was just looked like the better team in this game? I, I, I thought OKC just getting, just not having the glaring, you know, problem with Dort on offense. It made it a lot easier to notice that, you know, I, I had my, my kind of line in, on Harden and you rightfully stepped in to point out he still had 32 on 11 for 22, but just like just watching the game, it just, other than in the third quarter, it just didn't really look like Houston really had anything, any kind of momentum 
momentum going in this game and and just okay see they got Gallinari going a little bit and then Chris Paul is awesome and just that that alone just they looked much better to me in this game yeah I mean this was a defensive game 101 offensive rating for OKC 96 for Houston both of those are well below uh, the worst or, or what the league leading bucks allowed on the season uh, defensively so I mean OKC hasn't necessarily figured out Houston and maybe if they go with the three guards that's the only way they can do that so Dort did look better but I think it that still hurt them both teams had a ton of turnovers but Houston did it with a bunch of steals OKC didn't have as many steals um and you could say Houston they're not going to turn the ball over what was it 22 times uh, although depending on how many minutes Westbrook plays maybe uh maybe they will turn it over that many times again um but you know OKC is usually a very low turnover team they ISO a lot they don't pass a lot Chris Paul is one of the lowest turnover players in NBA history but uh with Dort having five Shea having four and Stephen Adams having four turnovers uh that was that was pretty ugly so that's one thing where you might say that Houston played a little bit better that they if they hadn't just chucked the ball over the gym they how many passes they throw out of bounds things might have been better but if OKC could just like finish a fast break like how many fast breaks did they have in the second half like they probably had like seven and they didn't score on any of them so uh, the stats on that in transition Oklahoma City had a 58 offensive rating according to cleaning the glass they cost themselves 5.4 points worse than just being in the half court would give you uh, over the course of, of a game and so that was that was really miserable for them and particularly because Houston's transition defense I thought was terrible like Westbrook Harden like with both those guys on the floor at the same time and both complaining to the refs and all the missed layups and terrible passes from Westbrook like you can get at them in transition and just how much they just blew a ton of three on two so they got to get better at that but uh, I think when you throw that in I thought OKC did play better throughout the course of the game and they clearly had I think a better strategy down the end as well so um I mean I still favor Houston in the next game but like Westbrook is such a wild card right if they're gonna play him 34 minutes and he's gonna play like this like it really could be anyone's game particularly down the end yeah and just looking to the game OKC had you the the tra- that transition number is pretty pretty remarkable um it just you would think Schroeder can can make more shots for OKC so I think that is kind of the reason I think you could maybe sell you have hope for them but yeah Westbrook just you have to I think you have to see him as a wild card like you said at this point and, and maybe Harden just has a stretch in this game where he just where he just completely takes over and that and that can just kind of be the thing like like going back to that third quarter stretch I brought up or just I think that was kind of illustrative of Houston having moments where they can really just put the put the their their foot on the gas if they want to yeah Houston has the ability to blow out OKC OKC I don't think they can score well enough in this series to blow out Houston and so that's uh, I think Houston has the advantage with their defense like OKC still hasn't quite solved it Chris Paul can't have you know 35 percent usage like he can get you at the end of the game but I don't think he has the ability to just control every single possession anymore the way he used to and go at guys and iso every single possession and Shea Gilgis Alexander has been terrible the last two games like that's a real concern um and I thought this was a uh, a process thing. I'm just going to kind of empty out the notebook here. But it was a bad process, good results, where they make this comeback at the start of the fourth. But Gallinari has 23 points in 22 minutes at the start of the fourth. And he's on the bench for some reason. Like, he, he was uh, one of their best guys. They so can't score at all. Harden is out of the game, so you can't be that worried that, like, you know, he's going to get attacked defensively or something. And he, he got 25 points in 28 minutes. 
and he spaces the floor in a way that nobody else does so I, I, it was really odd to me particularly when he had it going yeah if he's at five points like last game okay leave him out but um yeah anything else you, you want to talk about on this one this is probably a, a good amount here i guess yeah that was it you know we we kind of touched on covington and the, him making plays as a helper he went four for six from three had a big putback for them too so it's just unfortunate i guess you would say because overall i think you just remember him having a really strong game but just if not for a few plays at the end there if you can either get a stop or just not have the the low resistance switches like we touched on oh i will say one other advantage that okc has conclusively proven to have in the series they've avoided fouling like 12 free throws for houston okc committed five shooting fouls in the entire game like really they are not fouling harden at all on those step back three pointers so i think that's an advantage that i would say is probably durable for them going into game seven and for houston like not getting to the foul line that that makes things a little tougher they are scoring like crazy on two pointers and getting to the rim but you know if they don't shoot it really well from three without the foul line then they're not going to get any offensive rebounds they're probably going to have a fair number of turnovers now with westbrook back so you start to kind of run out of ways to do it if you're not shooting really well from three i mean they they had in this game 56 percent true shooting which is basically right at league average but because of all the turnovers and the lack of offensive rebounds they really were a bad offense in this game and then in particular consider the number of fast break points they had uh off all those steals and they still had a below average offense and really a terrible offense in this game so that's definitely areas for concern and we've seen this team get tight in game seven shooting the three and they they better i'll put it this way they better be up like 15 going into the fourth quarter or i'm going to be very concerned for them all right let's take a quick break and we'll move to another series where uh the favorite looking in a little bit of trouble the milwaukee bucks and the miami man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches everybody sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house 
Get that 100-night trial. They're 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. So yeah, this game, a 115-104 Miami victory, which it was a little closer than that down the end, but not much. Jimmy Butler, I posited that he was going to really struggle to score against this Bucks defense. He completely killed him. 40 points, 12 of 13 from the foul line, 13 of 20 from the field. He even hit a bunch of jumpers in the fourth quarter, which he'd been reluctant to take. Why, other than just taking and hitting some shots, why was he able to be effective against this Bucks defense that usually barricades the real estate that he operates in close to the rim? I thought a couple of those with Butler at the very end were pretty interesting because they were just going small, small pick and roll. And on a couple of those, they were able to essentially park Brooke Lopez and Giannis in the opposite corner while they're just running that. So if if Butler wasn't going to just go hard and careen all the way to the rim and he's able to get, you know, that's that smaller switch. And in this case, it was George Hill. In one case, he just hit a mid-range jumper over him because he didn't really get up on him. But if they're able to attack that way and get Butler onto a smaller guy, you know, I think that's a pretty interesting thing in crunch time because then, you know, that, you know, that whole thing of barricading the rim can't really, can't really become a factor, right? Because he just isn't, he isn't attacking in a way that'll pull them, that'll pull the, one of those guys into the paint to go challenge him. Yeah. And I thought the Bucks. I mean, number one, they had terrible discipline with respect to fouling. Like, that's supposed to be one of the big things with Mike Budenholzer. You know, Butler got a lot of these fouls where he just felt some contact and went through a guy and picked it up. But he also got some pretty legitimate fouls as well. And so if he's getting to the line that much, that's an issue. He also had, like, some nice floaters and stuff. Like, the Heat were 9 out of 17 on floaters. That that was big. Um, But I think you make a great point there that it just seemed like where were all these plays where, like, Giannis and Brooke Lopez Lopez are just like collapsing on guys at the rim and forcing them to throw a tough kick out pass for a three like you I really didn't see that much of that at all and maybe that was just Butler you know he had a couple of plays where Lopez was trying to 2.9 on the opposite side of the lane and then he timed up his drive before that or he was able to get into the mid-range where the help couldn't affect him that much uh and finally the Milwaukee Bucks individual defenders just weren't good enough on him I think that was one of the bigger things as well yeah well you had, you had mentioned you did the the live show for this one that you, know, you aren't a big fan of the Middleton matchup which they ended up going to and then I, I mean I guess we kind of have to get into some of the rotation decisions here right because not having Wes Matthews out there you know for the for some stretches early in the game he had some nice plays on Butler and, and ultimately is do you still feel he's the best guy on Butler absolutely like there were a few times to me where Butler just like 
if he scored on Wes Matthews, like it was a tough shot, right? He wasn't just beasting him. He wasn't like able to draw cheap fouls on him necessarily, but he only played 24 minutes and Pat Connaughton closed the game for him, which I really didn't understand. I thought Matthews was playing well. Wes Matthews is a better player than Pat Connaughton. That's pretty clear to me, at least if not to Mike Budenholzer. And Connaughton, you know, can't guard Jimmy Butler and Wes Matthews can. And so I think particularly, you know, Middleton being the starting guy on Butler, Butler is too strong for him and too athletic. And it was a long time ago, but Jimmy Butler killed him in a playoff series five years ago. Um, and Chris Middleton is a solid defender, He's but he's not athletic enough to deal with Butler, particularly if he's hitting the jumper. And then you also have George Hill involved in the action. And so Hill, I thought, had a really poor defensive game on Dragic. And then they're running the small, small pick and roll and getting Hill onto Butler. And Butler is just too big for him, either able to pull up or go through him and get fouled. So if you start with Matthews on him, and then you get another guy who has some size, they really missed Eric Bledsoe too, by the way, who missed it with the hamstring injury. Another guy who's got some size on Dragic. And then, you know, if your switch guy is Chris Middleton switching onto him instead of George Hill, or maybe you can even get through the screen with Matthews or deny him and play harder. Like there's a lot of things you can do when you have, you know, Middleton's not the primary, he's the secondary guy and they're forced to go in another direction. Like I think there are just too many holes in this Bucks defense uh, on Butler. And also just let's give him a ton of credit for just having an awesome game in a way that I mean, I'll never really understand what's going on with his jumper, but it seems like in the fourth quarter, he like gives himself permission to take it. And all of a sudden he's making it again. Yeah. Well, and he has this 13 for 20, even in the first half, he had a couple right at the rim. He didn't finish. Right. So that kind of made the, made his shooting line even more impressive. And I think Butler had a couple too in this game where he did just go hard and then pitch it out. So I think the word, the word you, that you throwing out the word discipline was kind of appropriate where Milwaukee's actually going to need to just get up into him and try to force him into that help and then you know they they just defend out of that when they force him to throw it out but it just it just came too easy for him in this game to some degree while also you know obviously crediting for him him for making some of those big shots yeah i mean he only nine of his 20 shots were at the rim although he certainly got fouled plenty as well so you might say if you're a bucks fan hey jimmy butler he's not gonna go eight out of 11 on shots outside the paint and he's not going to in the next game but i really i'm sure people are like oh Giannis, like he sucked in the second in the fourth quarter like blah blah why aren't you talking about that they're gonna struggle against miami's defense i really think they are i like this to me though that's not a surprise what was a surprise to me was miami getting a ton of shots at the rim particularly in the second quarter brooke lopez not really having that much of an effect uh and just the overall tenets of the Bucks defense didn't work like it wasn't even like Miami you know you thought okay they're going to completely barricade the rim they're going to not foul and Miami's going to have to beat them from the outside they didn't even really have to do that uh, Miami like they didn't get up you thought Miami was going to be taking 45 threes a game like they didn't even have to take that many uh, because uh, they're getting inside way more easily and getting to the foul line way more easily than expected so uh, much like in that first game against the Magic I think they really need to focus back in on what makes them a great defense first and yeah you know you might lose a few of these games to Miami if they bomb 43s and they hit a lot of them and they did at least do a really good job on Duncan Robinson and take to take him away uh but they got to just be better on defense first and then the other problem is when they're taking the ball out of the net on a free throw every time they can't get anything going in transition I mean what did Giannis have maybe like one fast break in the whole game yeah it was it was it was all in the the on the one I can think of is in the first half not, yeah. not much in the second half yeah he had that one player where he went through bam and he 
he got a nice dunk and, and that was about it um yeah because i was worried about the bucks i mean i picked i did pick them in five so that that position is looking like it's in peril but this isn't a situation where like against boston last year where boston hit every shot and the bucks didn't hit anything like the bucks shot 46 percent from three and they shot nine out of 17 on long twos like chris middleton was hitting ridiculous shots brooke lopez was four of six from three Giannis even hit 40 percent of his threes and yet they couldn't score at all because they got nothing at the rim whatsoever and Giannis in particular got nothing at the rim whatsoever so uh I mean are there any do you see anything that you would like to them to try offensively well I think using using what they did at the very end of the game might kind of be a good launching point for this because at the very end there they did have that one play where they had Lopez set a big screen for Middleton and it got him a chance to get a little bit of a cushion and he hits a jumper over Bam but then after that it was just Middleton catching launched or you know they didn't run anything and he just launched a deep three from the top of the key and I saw on the right side just stood there and just launched a 20-footer it like when it just was that stagnant you know I don't really know what they do because in a way I think the fear might be that they wasted a really great a, a really great performance from Middleton he had some great passes in this game but it, there's got to be something for Giannis just it, you know I, I don't know what all of a sudden they can just do with him but just it when it's going to be stagnant and he's going to kind of just labor into something Miami's just ready and for the most part I don't know you know they they just aren't <laughs> Milwaukee just doesn't look ready to 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 get Giannis going with anything yeah and there's not that many options to do that when you are helping off of him as much as they are but you know 35 threes that's not even really enough considering how much they're walling off the paint like they actually needed to get more threes up and this is a really good Miami Heat defensive team like I, I was very impressed with what they're doing with Bam at center uh Bam can hold up pretty good against Giannis one-on-one as well um so I mean 18 points 6 of 12 4 of 12 from the line nine assists six turnovers he Giannis had three fouls in the first half finished with three that cost him a bunch of minutes Brooke Lopez got in quote-unquote foul trouble he only plays 27 minutes um I, I think Brooke Lopez being a more featured part of the offense on some post-ups is something that they should look at uh the one play I thought they got really anything out of was the Middleton Giannis pick and roll with shooters on the backside because Middleton is able to throw like he's got the height to throw those skip passes the shooters on the weak side he threw some great passes so more of that I think and that can kind of get Giannis going downhill the heat were really really concerned about the gravity of Giannis with that backside guy on the pick and roll so changing sides of the floor picked quickly um I, I think that can help not having a guard standing in the dunker spot for no reason might be something that they should uh should give a thought to also um yeah and just and maybe for Giannis too just generally just you know if he catches it just to go a little faster right like he yeah. had those those couple where he found the strong side corner guy catching that catching that defender kind of leaning in a little bit but just I don't think there's going to be any upside at any point for the possessions where he just kind of holds it and labors into this post up like I don't see any upside because they don't have that they don't have the like I don't think they have the cutter that is gonna you know really hurt Miami in that kind of situation and just that Giannis will make maybe some of those tougher passes in a tight window so just to go and from a fit from a face up and just see the defense move and and maybe you have a hope there of of getting some guys on some spot ups including maybe some of these guys can just be a little more aggressive from from a little bit further behind the line 
I did think that his evening changed when he airballed that free throw. He makes his first two, and then he airballed another one, and then he probably had four or five more that like weren't even close to going in that were, and many of them, particularly his first free throws, were way short on the way to that four or twelve. So that's something we've been cautioning about for a while with him. So maybe his aggression level was a little bit down, and, and getting the three fouls in the first half also lowered his aggression level. Um, some things I might consider with him is maybe have him attack from the side a little bit more where the reads are easier and in the middle of the floor he has more passing options but they also have more options to double him and he had the six turnovers guys can kind of sneak in from his backside when he goes for those spin moves and tip it away or or cause problems for him so I might try that I don't know if that's going to be a panacea because they can kind of load up and it's a little bit more predictable uh, but maybe if he could just kind of because you kind of have all your passing options in front of you when you're on the side so that might be better um more brooke lopez i I think would really help him as well uh and i think is also trying to have lopez be a screener a little bit more if they want to switch that get fix it so bam is guarding a shooter if they're switching a lot like you got to get him away from the rim and so Giannis can attack some of their smaller guys i think that could be really helpful what did you make of they did it for only a couple of possessions but at one point they went with marvin williams and Giannis, and they switched everything but they never then brooke lopez came back in and they never really went back to that yeah so you know one thing we haven't we haven't touched on yet too was the offensive rebounding miami getting 12 of them Oh yeah. I, I wonder I wonder how much that factored into what the decisions they're making there late in the game. Yeah. And the idea just well if we're not getting offensive rebounds, then maybe that pushes them more to just try Marvin anyways. With if you're not getting defensive rebounds, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um so yeah, I don't know. It's tough because Lopez is one of their three best players and he played well. And yeah. so I'm not sure I would want that all the time, but I think it's something that they could go to at times when they're playing Giannis and Marvin together to try to try and if Bledsoe can come back maybe that would help them um to go to that switching group but maybe that's just something that you can do at times where you can avoid giving up threes and particularly if Butler's off the floor they don't really have anyone who's going to beat a a switching defender one-on-one but they don't have much experience playing that way though yeah and if they're not if they're not going to involve Lopez more offensively I could understand it too to where on the other end just yeah if you're getting you know if you get Bam switched on to a shooter instead of being on Lopez you know I don't know if Lopez hitting threes at the beginning kind of just got them thinking well he's he's on today and we'll just have him keep spacing and not involve him in different ways but in a way this is kind of deja vu right where it's just the start of another playoffs and you're wondering why Lopez isn't more involved when you just you clearly need some other option to go to another thing I'd love to see them do is is they'll run these very static like cross screen plays for either Giannis or Lopez to post up and everyone knows what's coming on those plays and your problem is that you really can't get the guy the ball until he's come all the way over to the near side block and by that time the defense can kind of recover what I'd love to see them run actually would be Giannis starting in the corner and like Corver like that play old play that they used to run screening Kevin Love out of the corner uh with Kyle Corver put Chris Middleton at the elbow Giannis starts in the corner Corver screens for him when he's in and Giannis can get going to the rim you have to help and then Corver would be open for a three I thought Corver actually was pretty decent 
Dixon in this game. Um, he at least gave them some kind of a theory for their offense. I, playing 16 minutes was a lot for him. So I stuff like that where you put your best passer at the elbow. Lopez is going to be spaced out and you can kind of just get a screen and give yourself more passing angles for Giannis to cut hard to the rim and use his gravity to open things up in another way. Like not necessarily that specific play, but just that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's not something that they, they've really done that much. You know, they don't they don't have a great set offense. Like they don't have a lot of play calls. They like to just move the ball and kind of hope that something opens up, but they, you know, they're not a great decision-making offensive team. Um, any other kind of smaller observations uh, on this one? Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten to Goran Dragic yet, who was, uh, you know, pretty pretty massive in this game. Just giving Miami, just having another option. Just a guy coming off a screen and pick and roll. Either, you know, if, if Milwaukee would have to late switch, you know, he hit a three over Lopez in the first half and just kind of being able to hit some kind of runners off the glass without needing to get all the way in there. And I, I think this is, I think this was, did, I don't know if you said this about Dragic ca- kind of calling him like a patient driver too. So, yes. you know, when he's going in there, he'll see those windows to shoot it earlier if he has to. And that can kind of be another thing to where the, the help isn't going to be as effective if he's able to get to get those shots off sooner. And then, you're, you know, you're just, you know, what, what do you do from there? You know, if, when, when Dragic gets going. No, I... I mean, now he was awesome as well, right? Like he and Butler aren't going to shoot as well on some of these mid-rangers. Like Dragic hits this like ridiculous reverse pivot fade away and he hit a shot I don't think I've ever seen him shoot before on the right side of the basket, lefty floater off the glass. You know, usually he likes to get left. Um, but yeah, I mean, because he's more patient, he's not going to just go pell-mell into three guys at the rim and uh, against verticality and miss a layup. Like he's going to be patient, get the guy on his back. He's got good size. Hill wasn't strong strong enough to deal with them and you know you can kind of hit some of those like mid-rangers that are good shots for him he said a commenter actually compared him to Luca a little bit and just in terms of like that slow down style of finishing you know I think that is kind of true I don't know if Luca modeled his game after Goran that much with them both being Slovenian but uh I thought that that was an interesting comparison which I liked um yeah he he was awesome and did you see the Bucks do anything special on Duncan Robinson he's only one out of four with four points they, no they, I mean they, they trailed him reasonably well uh, on some of those that you know the one three that he banked it in from, from yeah. the top I, I thought Miami it did look I don't know if it was necessarily them adjusting it did look a little different to where early in the game they kind of had what ended up kind of being like a stagger for Robinson kind of starting around the elbow but then actually later in the game they got they got they went to a look where it wasn't Robinson in the game but the their handoff game was a little more effective in the second half and I don't know I don't know necessarily if it was just because it was Tyler Hero on some of those or just what they were doing because either they just had instead had those three guys basically up at the slot instead so then you actually have more of a window to get the guy if he gets back door and then I thought their handoff game I wonder if they start with what they were doing in the second half with Jimmy Butler, where Butler setting a screen to get a guy into a handoff. And then even if they don't get that, you know, you can just give it to Butler who has a post up or like a snug pick and roll with Bam. Like the, so even though Robinson necessarily didn't do a ton with his shooting, just like Miami having that built in, like I think was just really glaring, right? After just talking about Milwaukee not having a ton of options and then seeing how that looked in the second half for Miami, I thought was really, was pretty telling. 
Yeah, I thought Robinson played well as a help defender too. There were a couple of times when he was kind of sloughing off the strong side corner and, and Giannis found the guy for an open corner three, but generally I thought he, he did well. They didn't take advantage of him too much either. I did think that the Bucks should have done more to try to get Chris Middleton in a matchup on either Hero or Dragic and maybe even Robinson as well, though he's bigger, he's probably a better matchup against Middleton, but hero or Dragic in particular when chris middleton has it going like he can just work into like a 15 foot mid-ranger and again like this is not going to be an efficient offensive series for the bucks like whatever they can get to get any kind of a good look i don't care where it is on the floor i think that that's going to be good for them because i mean miami completely barricaded the rim on these guys and they really just like milwaukee milwaukee to only have the bucks take 15 shots in the restricted area for con- context the team that takes the fewest shots in the restricted area it takes about 22 over the course of a game on average so that and considering that this is the Milwaukee Bucks and it's Giannis who averages just a crazy amount of points in the paint uh, to hold him down like this I think he had one basket uh in the paint in the second half something like that he had like one layup and then he had that dunk in transition and that was it so um anything else like rotation wise for the heat like that suck out to you yeah I mean I, me- I mentioned Hero just I think I think they did get good stuff for him for the most part you know on a like a corner split they got him a, a three-pointer he had that face cut you know you've talked about a lot that Devin Booker yeah. does a lot getting to the foul line they did get him back door to start the fourth quarter and an open three even though he didn't hit yeah. that one drilled a three off of a handoff actually the thing with robinson i wanted to bring up too is like mentioning kind of the stuff they were running to i wonder if miami would just go to just strictly just kind of robinson on a side by himself for just more of a straight handoff yeah. when there aren't as many gu- and you can kind of you know when there's like two or three guys involved and Milwaukee can basically zone it up you know if, if they needed to but if you just have him by himself and he can actually get back door if they're not going to let him you know get that handoff I wonder if that you know we see more of that from Hero and from Robinson. Kendrick Nunn re-emerged and he was three of nine and of three from three uh, was plus eight he does in games where they're struggling a little more offensively i think he'll give them an element of just being able to create a shot late in the clock particularly when Dragic is out i think they might need him and if hero is struggling a little bit which he did from two point range in this game he was zero for five olenic only played eight minutes Derek jones jr did not play at all uh, which was interesting and i think they just really wanted they felt like they just needed to get more shooters on the floor they didn't and jones jr is a little too thin to deal with Giannis. maybe was the thing uh Iguodala I thought he struggled offensively there are a couple of record scratches that he had he was 0 for 3 from 3 turned it over a couple times when Kyle Korver closed out at him which is not amazing but he definitely gives them something defensively you know he's very very attuned to the type of help plays that you need from the wing on Giannis and rotation-wise for the Bucks, DiVincenzo was awful. I thought like he gave up a couple of back doors where there wasn't really a screen. They miscommunicated. Like that actually happens a lot with him. Um, even going back to some of the other games I've seen. And you know, 25 minutes from Connaughton seems like a lot. 24 from Matthews seems a little low. I thought Marvin Williams was pretty good for them. Um, but it, it was interesting that he was two of five and didn't take a three in this game that's kind of what he's out there to do they really had him being used more as like a traditional role man uh he also biffed a couple of layups uh, that killed them so uh, they, a lot of these guys can play better george hill was really bad and hopefully bledsoe can come back like this him being suddenly questionable today with the hamstring hopefully if he's questionable that means that he can come back and play the next game they're very conservative about this stuff but if they go down 2-0 like there's no tomorrow like they gotta win this next game and hopefully for them the yo-yo principle will come back um anything else you would 
be looking towards for the next game in this series? Yeah, I mean, for, for Milwaukee, kind of with the rotations even earlier in the game, do you, does it just need, do they just need Middleton and Giannis staggered at this point? And just, you know, them not having another guy to do something off the dribble, right? If, if Bledsoe's still out, you know, Hill wasn't very good. And then, you know, they have like Connaughton out there trying to run pick and roll, like as their next option. Yeah, that was, that was pretty ugly. Frank Mason got two minutes in the first quarter for some reason, I guess, due to Giannis being in foul trouble and but also you know they're up 37 27 looking pretty good they're shooting the lights out and like mike budenholzer just he just doesn't know where the accelerator is on this car like oh we're up 37 27 oh thank god now i now i can get Giannis out of the game again because he might pick up his third you know and he all right he did in the first half and he is a high foul player like I, i'm i've got some concerns there he does play 37 minutes although he played the last 16 of the game so they try not to play him in these long stints so that might be part of what uh, the issue was for him down the end but it's just like he's got to start treating it like the playoffs before you get to game five of a series like this is a real series and if he had any doubts about that he found out in this game yeah it just and i thought it was interesting on the cast today like it came up like someone asked about uh seeing people pick miami and just whether recency bias came into that but just seven out of 17 espn experts picked miami interest but like just like uh, other stuff i had written down just like watching miami like the they just have so much more optionality maybe with the shooters on their roster compared to milwaukee right like sometimes you just talk about in a glance like well the bucks get up a bunch of threes but then you see the stuff they can run with handoffs for hero and robinson and then even like olenic got that three at the end of the half setting that ghost screen and popping out for a three like none of milwaukee's guys can do any of that stuff right and like even miami just having the pick and roll ball handlers you know milwaukee just it has to be all you know what what do you even say other than blood coming back just that middleton and Giannis have to continue to be awesome it just it just i think you know i i didn't like make a pick and i'm not even like trying to like get into into just the prediction part of it but just like i think that specific aspect of just miami just having options and, and milwaukee it's just it, it's it's very it's a very small number of things it seems like they can go go to all right so if you're a bucks optimist here you can point to the great mid range shooting from Miami. Jimmy Butler, yes, he shot well in this game, but he's not going to shoot this well again. He's he had a career playoff high 40 points. Like he's not going to be this good again. You're going to make some adjustments to, to take away what he's doing. Maybe Bledsoe will be back. Uh, you turned it over 19 times, which was really ugly, uh, including 10 between the combination of, of Giannis and Middleton. You're not going to give up 30% offensive rebounds again. You know, like Miami, I mean, one thing we haven't talked about yet is Miami also just played harder than the Bucks did in this game. You know, they just got a lot of these random offensive rebounds. Like Bam had six offensive rebounds. Um, so you can point to that as something that's going to change around. This Bucks team is one of the best defensive rebounding teams in NBA history. Like they're not going to get 30% offensive rebounds again. Miami hit 93% from the foul line and the Bucks hit 54% now. Most of that was Giannis missing those, uh, and nobody else really gets to the line in this team. But you'd imagine that's going to turn around. Like, if you just have average-ish free throw shooting from both teams, this is a close game. So th- there's a lot of things you can kind of talk yourself into, but I don't know. A- and maybe if you stop following them and you can get a defensive rebound, you might actually get out in transition every once in a while. But in the half court, it is going to be an absolute slog for them in this series. And they got to be ready for that. And they got to just grind it out and win this uh, on defense and finally like maybe the mvp could play better than jimmy butler who's like the 15th best player in the league like that's the, the 
that's another one, right? If Jimmy Butler outplays Giannis, then it doesn't matter what what the coaching moves are and who the other rotation guys are. Yeah, just just I think I think you bring up transition too, just to get a few more. I think it, thinking about that more that can that can make a big difference for them. And do you maybe tack on just staying attached to Dragic a little bit better? Does that maybe make a difference in the kind of game he can have with or yeah. without Bledsoe? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it's got to be Bledsoe, and you know, George Hill, I think got tired down the end too 36 minutes is a lot for him at this point in his career and so brooke lopez needs to play more than 27 and there's there's no tomorrow after this game so they better they better win this one uh and you know be aggressive even if your guys are in foul trouble and I think the Bucks will come out and have a better performance. Like we've seen them suck in game ones before, but I, I think that uh, this Heat team is really smart and they played harder than them and they're better coached and they've got they've got some advantages. So I do think this is going to be a long series. I don't think there's going to be like that Celtics series last year where they lost game one and then they roared back because they actually shot better. They had the shooting luck more than Miami and they still lost by 11. All right, I think that will do it for today. Don't forget to sign up, dunkton.supportingcast.fm. I did a nice little extra bonus thing for subscribers yesterday with Seth Partnow, uh, who was kind enough to join us. And Danny and I will be doing NBA cast for Denver and Utah tomorrow. And uh, he and I will, of course, be back to wrap up all the action on Dunked On as well. So we'll uh, talk to y'all next time. And uh, Ben, thanks for coming on, by the way. It was good. To, I think this is like the first full episode you've ever done, isn't it? Yeah, first first full one. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, do, do you want a promotion to Director of Insight and Foresight, by the way? Or, or are you happy with director of basketball research yeah i mean just the the uh, allure of having such a cooler cooler name <laughs> of the title that that always got to me but it, it's uh it, it'll always lie with liam as it should yeah yeah I, I maybe we can retire that it's so funny to me that okc would have that kind of a name like you would think the way their organization is that they would just like you know everyone's title would just be like a number <laughs> like sam presti would be just number one and, and rob Hennigan would just be number two like the, for to actually have that ridiculous of a title to come from okc like that that seems like a king's kind of thing right like vivek ranadive with like oh we need to hire a director of insight and foresight immediately i want to see i want to see like the reaction video of like finding out when you have a, a job title like that right like you expect something really normal i feel like that would be pretty hilarious <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, we will talk to y'all tomorrow. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 